Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. <laughs> it is khaki. Yeah. The homo MC, y'all. Yeah. Are you horny? Because I'm horny. I'm horny as hell, man. It's about that time. Yeah. It's Tuesday night. Tuesday night. At 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. You know what time it is. Y'all know. It's time for you to turn down those lights. Turn down those lights. Light some candles. Light some candles. Because now... We're in bed with Dr. Hello, you guys. This should have been yesterday, so it's not actually a glitch in the matrix. We are just going to try and deja vu our way back through this episode because hopefully, 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 fingers crossed, nothing goes kaboom tonight. Um, don't know why that didn't... I, I even tried... Um, redoing the show at 10.30 to try and pull it up, and it wouldn't let me, so I don't know. Some sort of blog talk platform glitch, I suppose. So, we have a lot to cover. I have a feeling we may end up going the full range of two hours. I'm not quite sure. I have a lot of stories to tell you guys. I have stories I can't tell you guys. Um... Those ones bother me because they're the ones that really need to be told, but for legal reasons and for safety reasons, they can't be. Um, And that's not just one person. So keep that in mind, too. Um, We started off last night, and I'm going to go back over this for those people who, you know, I, I deleted last night's show, obviously, because there was nothing on it, um, with the exception of my birthday hello from Vaz in India, which was absolutely magical. Thank you, Vaz, for calling in. That was so sweet. Um, And I did download the show, so I still have him calling in. So, yeah. Anyways, um, let's keep carrying on here. I actually sent out a lot of tweets on this show, um, and I will do that if I know that a show that I'm doing is crossing borders. In other words, this has no borders. This is an important issue that everyone should know about. You should start learning about it. You should start reading about it. You don't have to become an expert in it, but what you learn can actually save your life. And that sounds very dramatic, but it's actually quite true. Um, And I was talking last night about the Naval Yard shootings in D.C. and how every time there is a mass shooting, um, we automatically jump to, it's a gun battle. It's a battle over, should you have guns? Should you not have guns? Should this, blah, 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 blah. blah. It's, just, it's back and forth with the guns. The problem is that's taking a microcosmic look at something. You need to pull back from that issue. The issue is not the guns. The issue is the mental health of the person behind the gun. And that's the bigger picture of the whole thing. We want to, the whole point of this show is so that you guys can start arming yourselves with information when it comes to mental illness. Uh, Martha Stout says on the front of her book, actually, that one in 25 Americans is, and that's just Americans, is, is suffering from some form of sociopathy, psychopathy. I would venture to say that it's more. Mark actually told us today that it was somewhere in the range of 3% of the entire population. 
this is not just a North American issue. This is a worldwide issue. Um, it's not hard to see that it's a worldwide issue when you start looking at the the when I start describing the symptoms to you, when I start describing these personality traits, you're going to see exactly what I was talking about where that's concerned. It's just it, it, it's such a broad range, and it's a very scary scary thing. Psychopathy is very scary. Being a psychopath or being around a psychopath is extremely scary. It's not fun. Piers Morgan reported on his show last night, well actually it wouldn't have been last night, it would have been two nights ago, the night of the shootings, some statistics. I want you to listen to these because these are, are showing my point, even though these are shooting statistics. Um, the info was gathered from motherjones.com. So you can go over there and have a look for yourself. The statistics are right there. They did all the work. Um, I went over, had a look. It is quite interesting. Since 1982, there have been 70, which is 7-0, mass shootings in the U.S. The FBI has classifications for shootings, and there's a difference between a mass shooting and a spree. And some of the just off the top of my head, some of the ones for mass shooting are usually single person with multiple um, fatalities. So, and obviously with some form of firearm. So, there's been, of course, there's going to be like way more than just that, but that just gives you kind of an idea. When you look at these statistics, 70 mass shootings and you're kind of like, well... 70 since 1982, well, you know, maybe that's not quite so bad. Okay, but wait a minute. 30 of the 70 have happened since 2006. Of the 30, 13 have been in the last 20 months. And of that 13, three have been the largest mass shootings in U.S. history. And... Out of not only the 70, but if we throw in the sprees that they had in the statistics as well, and I think there was only two or three of them, they were just sprinkled in. What was extremely interesting is that out of all of these, out of the 70 plus, one was committed by a female. So this is why I'm saying that I want you ladies to listen into this. This, especially if you're dating, if you are dealing with the public. It's not a sex industry issue, even though that is where, you know, we do a lot of the things that we do in our community. But that is, it's, that's a separate issue. That has nothing to do with it. I want you guys to realize that you will run into psychopaths everywhere. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. You could be, I mean, understand these people are able to manipulate psychiatrists and psychologists who are trying to learn from them. So they're good. They're really, really good. So you really do need to arm yourself. So um, I'm going to go very quickly into a message, and we'll be right back. I think what we will do is just start jumping right into this so that you can learn. I wanted, What I'm going to do is we're going to learn all about it 
and I'm going to give you some solutions on how to deal with it if you do run into someone, and then we'll get into the stories. I want to make sure that all the information is at the beginning of the show because that way if you don't want to listen to all the stories because some of them are scary, at least you've got your info. You don't have to filter through that. So we will, we, me, I'm all by myself, we'll be back right after this. Hi. Hi there. Welcome to Fetish and Fantasy Halloween Ball. Oh, hi, Scott. Great costume this year. Um, maybe you should take the ball out of your mouth. Thanks. I call it Spider Slave Boy. The most outrageous, bizarre, and risque Halloween party in the world returns to Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. The Fetish and Fantasy Halloween Ball. Yeah, you like that, don't you? You said you're a bad girl. Girl. Who said anything about me being a girl? For more info or to purchase discounted tickets, visit HalloweenBall.com. You know the doc loves Halloween, and I've been able to score my in-bed listeners $10 off each ticket to the Fetish and Fantasy Halloween Ball at the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas, Saturday, October 26th. All you got to do is use the promo code RUBBER. Tickets available at Ticketmaster or at HalloweenBall.com. Remember to use promo code RUBBER at checkout and get your $10 off each ticket. I hope you're tucked in, because you are now in bed with Dr. Sue. You are in bed with me. I'm here. Don't worry. I was just momentarily lost. It happens. Have you ever run into a psychopath, you guys? If you if you have, call in. Tell us your story. You can do it anonymously. Um, remember, your story could end up helping save a life. So let us know what you went through. Number is 646-478-3644. So I want you guys to understand that not all sociopaths, psychopaths are criminals. And actually, let's get into, before we get going on anything, let's start getting into what all this is. The reason why I have always found psychology, psychiatry, all of it, very, very fascinating, studying the mind, is because my father was a psychopath. And it's something that when you are able to stand back and look at it, it's I find it fascinating. I find any kind of um, mental disorder very, very fascinating. So that's just me. I'm kind of like one of those poke them with a stick thing. <laughs> There's something dead, I'll poke it. But that's just me. Um, He was a very scary guy. He was very good at what he did. He was a pedophile. He um, was very good at terrorizing. And this is the sort of things that they do. And so I think the easiest way to start off, I'm going to start you guys off this way. We're going to start off with schizophrenics because we can clear that one out and move it along. So, um, schizophrenic. What's a a schizophrenic? We have this societal sort of, I don't know, pre-notion that, oh, when someone says schizophrenic, oh, it means, you know, guy's got multiple personality. Oh, it's split personality. That has nothing to do with schizophrenia. 
Schizophrenia is where the individual will be seeing things that we don't see, hearing things that we don't hear. They will um, they'll create worlds in their mind. They'll live in those worlds. They can go for days at a time where they just sort of sink into those worlds and don't come back out. Does it mean that every single person who's talking to themselves is schizophrenic? Absolutely not. But I did hear today, which I thought was kind of interesting, that the guy who did the Naval Yard shootings, now I don't know if this is fact or not, this came this is like friend of friend of friend thing, that he was hearing voices and was talking to his microwave and was telling people about that. That's schizophrenia. Now is that the only thing that's wrong with this guy? Probably not. But it's a clue. And and even though you can go, oh, <laughs> the guy said he was, you know, talking to his microwave, that's really funny. You got to learn to pull back and look at it and go, okay, was he joking or was he serious? Because if he had any form of seriousness to it, now you really need to talk to this guy. And if he's really, you know, off in la-la land, here's where the rub is. As a society, North America in general, this is even though this is a worldwide issue, there is nothing in place. So here you got this guy, say, for example, you're sitting with him in the cafeteria. He's telling you all about talking to the microwave and everything it's telling him to do. You take, you're like, okay, this guy's not joking. It's, this is not a ha-ha-ha moment. He's not you know, trying to psych me out. This is serious. What do you do? Well, there is nothing. That's the problem. There are no safeguards because most schizophrenics are functioning. They're fine. They can live, you know, like you and me. They pay their bills. They do their stuff. doesn't mean that they can't function. And unless they pose a threat to themselves or someone else, even the cops can't pull them in. So... <laughs> I I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Because you don't want to go stomping on people's rights either. But at what point do you go, okay, he says that the microwave told him to come and, you know, blow everybody away. You know, do you take that seriously? I would. I mean, I would report it to somebody. It doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere, though. That's the problem. Because there really isn't anything in place for what we do with them in the meantime. I have a client that I have spoken to on the phone for, oh, got to be six years now. Five, six years anyways. He is a schizophrenic, 100%. People have said to me, how do you know that he's not just making it up? You learn. You figure out what's real and what isn't. You can really learn to feel it, especially when you talk to the number of people that I do. This gentleman um, does live in his own world. He has since lost his job because of his delusion. Um, And I keep doing things like, you know what? You should go and tell your doctor your story. Tell him the stuff that you see. Just so that, you know, if I could just get him out there to try and talk the stuff that he tells me, 
you know, it would be great. I, I, hopefully he could get some kind of help with the right medication. All that goes away. But the other rub of this is, within his case, the world that he's created is quite sexual to him. So it's giving him pleasure. So when I say it's okay, you can go to the doctor, you'll feel better, you won't have to do this anymore, well, why on earth would I want this to stop? So you see how you're kind of up against that, too. Then when you get them, you get them on the medication, now you've got to hope they're going to take it, because if they don't take it, now you're back into delusion again. So they, uh, multiple personality has nothing to do with schizophrenia. It can go hand in hand. Multiple personality is actually very, it's pretty darn rare. So when you see the things like Sybil and and stuff, that's actually very rare to have happen. So no, schizophrenia is not that. So keep that in mind. Um, now we're going to look at psychopaths and sociopaths. What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? Absolutely nothing. Sociopath was brought out to sort of soften the word psychopath because too many people were taking psychopaths and then um, associating it with the word psychotic, which is completely, uh, you know, it's got nothing to do with it. So they tried to kind of soften it a bit and call it sociopath. And then along came um, antisocial personality disorder. Now what that, that encompasses more criminal behavior rather than, just psychopathic behavior. You can be a psychopath and never be in jail. Okay? Don't think for one minute that these guys look a certain way, they behave a certain way, but not all the time. My sister likes to call people like that a shapeshifter, which is very true. They, shapeshifting is probably the best way to put it. They are able to become very comfortable in their own, whatever sort of setting you put them in, and will very quickly dominate that setting. So don't think that they're, you know, the ugly, horrible kind of, you know, um, Charles Manson, the guy's going to look absolutely crazy. Oh, oh, no. These men can be stunningly good looking. These men can be very, very well-to-do. As a matter of fact, psychopathy is rampant in um, white-collar crime. So your corporate heads, which is, as Mark was saying earlier, you know, oh, I guess he kind of made an off-the-cuff joke about, I guess, you know, corporations would have some. They do. Your A lot of your high-end people running your government. I'm sorry, but my government too. Like actually, I won't say it. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the prime minister is kind of a But anyways, not much you can do about that. Doesn't matter. Point is, these guys are everywhere. It's it's a larger population than you might think. So I want you to keep that in mind. Um this is coming from Dr. Hare's book. Now, I understand this is all based on Without Conscience by Dr. Robert Hare and by the sociopath next door. This is where these are the two books I would like for you guys to get and read. If you go to inbedwithdrsue.com and go to this show page, you'll see that I've linked them up to Amazon for you. Um, two 
very easy reads. They're not like all clinical stuff that you can't understand. There's a lot of stories in them. So that's, I think we learn better from stories. So they're very fascinating reads. And, it, you know, you're going to spend more time brushing your hair in life. Spend the hot, what, two days to read these books? It's it's something that I think everybody should do. It should be something. It was actually these books were actually pointed out to me, even though I'd already skimmed it and studied it a bit. I hadn't gotten into it as much as I did when I started reading these. So it was really kind of interesting, and we really do face these guys all the time, and you learn. <laughs> Compared with other major, this is from his book, sorry, this is from Robert Hare's book, Without Conscience, on page 219. Compared with other major clinical disorders, very little systematic research has been devoted to psychopathy, even though it's responsible for far more social distress and disruption than all the other psychiatric disorders combined. So keep that in mind. Very little research. Nobody really knows. It's hard to research them because they're so good at, as my sister calls it, shape-shifting. So, no difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. So if you hear those two words bounced around, just know that it's the same thing. Um, Let's look at the traits. I want you guys to see these characteristics. Very, very charming. These people are very, very charming. And I'm going to start saying people because it's not all guys. The majority are men. The majority of men who tip over into violence is higher. But there are many, 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 many women who are psychopaths. So don't think that this is just a female issue. The females tend to get more of the violent end of things, and you'll hear that a bit later. Um, So very charming. Um, usually very, very good-looking, lots of times. Um, extremely uh, extremely manipulative. They'll try to con you at any turn. They feel that they're entitled to everything. They will lie continuously to get what they want. And they can actually manipulate lie detectors. So there's no safeguard in that one. They usually don't have room for love in their life. Now, in the case of my father, what we found out was he was living many lives. So that's what you'll find. Okay, there are going to be some guys who are like this who give off the facade of having the perfect family when, in fact, there's a lot of weird stuff going on on top of the fact that usually they're gone a lot, which he was, because he was having all these other lives. I mean, you can't stay in one house if you're running another household somewhere else. So that's the kind of thing that you're going to notice. So they may be gone for periods of time, stuff like that. Um, Let's see, what else? (sighs) They have to have... And see, understand, these can all be like, you can look at them and go, oh, yeah, but they're astrological traits. They're not necessarily. Again, these are generalizations. When you, com- when you have all of them squished together, now you've got an issue. But, of course, if there's going to be people who are charming. There's going to be people who, you, who are manipulative. It doesn't make them a psychopath. So don't worry, you know, if you're going, if you're sitting there, I was just reading that it's Nabi Alexa who's in the... Um, 
in the chat room was like, I was just thinking I might be a, I might be a psychopath. No, I don't think so. Although psychopaths in BDSM, which we will get into a bit later, not unusual. Because And you can have functional psychopaths, obviously. So but there are a lot of them because when you look at the traits, it, there's a lot of dominating, there's a lot of doms, be they male or female, that have these traits. So, and you do have to be careful because some of them do tend to go overboard. I've heard some horrifying stories, and I'm sorry, guys, but most of the horrifying stories I've heard have been male doms. I don't mean to say that, but just in my opinion, that's what's that's what's been told to me. So they have to have excitement in their lives. They have to live on the edge. Like it's like that's why they can't settle down with a family. That's why they'll have a second family or a second something else going on. Um, they have no zero. Think of this empathy. None. There is no conscience. So keep that in mind. No conscience whatsoever. No empathy whatsoever. So when you look at someone and you go, well, why would you, you know, I, I, who could just take a shovel and, and smash the head in of that puppy? Someone who doesn't have what you have, which is empathy, compassion, and conscience. They don't have those. And they can't. So when you go, oh, well, you try to look at it and go, oh, well, you know, why would you do that? Like, because it, to you it seems logical because you can feel that. They can't, which is why they will look at you like you've got three heads. Like, what? What's the issue? We couldn't afford the, we couldn't afford the kitten, so I smacked it over the head with a shovel. Like, it's a, that kind of thing. You'll find they have a long history of juvenile delinquency. They'll have behavioral problems as children. Yes, you can have psychopathic children. As a matter of fact, you will find most psychopaths have been been in that whole brain disorder has been there since childhood. Um, They'll have a ton of sexual partners. They act out sex acts. They are very sexual. They can have very deviant desires, deviant, of course, based on what other people think is normal. They can have, but understand, just because someone has a desire that you deem deviant, please don't think for one moment that they're a psychopath. (laughs) Deviant is a subjective word. So I'm just saying that they do tend to go down the road of really weird, oddball sexual behavior. Um, They rarely stay in one place for very long, whether it's work, whether it's their home, wherever. They just they do not do that. They're very self-centered. They're extremely good at lying. They are extremely good at making you feel bad for their indiscretion. They will mix you up so quickly that you'll be standing there, I, I mean... He could be the one standing there that just smacked the kitten over the head with the shovel, and he'll make you feel bad that he did it. In other words, you will take the blame and the guilt. They're very good at that. They blame everyone else for their issues. They blame everyone else for their own actions. They don't have a realistic view of their lives. 
in other words, you're going to find that they're very inflated. The, the ego is really inflated. It's going to be that whole I'm king of the world thing. We're standing on the front of the boat. You'll find that they will try suicide. They don't always succeed. They usually don't succeed because they're doing it for drama value. <clears throat> and again, to make you feel bad. They will never, ever take the blame or own up for anything they've done, ever. So keep that one in mind. So when you look at this, the other thing that if you want to look at a physical trait, a lot of traits of psychopaths is the empty eyes. The eyes are the window of the soul. We know that. The when you look in their eyes and understand the reason why I'm pausing is I'm going back and I'm thinking of my father's eyes. They're very, very cold. They're empty. Even if they're brown, you have a nice warm brown eye, it doesn't matter. When you look in the eye, it's as if there's no one there. It's like the person is being run on automatic pilot. So, you'll see it. They're the, they're definitely the Eddie Haskells. For those of you who haven't seen Leave It to Beaver, Eddie Haskell was the friend of Beaver's elder brother, and he was always, yes, Mrs. Cleaver, no, Mrs. Cleaver. Like this is the way they are. They come off as Mr. Charming, but they're very, very good at what they do. Now, as far as what you can do, obviously you've got to pull back. The number one thing that you want to do is cut them off. Hopefully you see this at the beginning of a relationship. Hopefully, and, and it's hard. I know it's hard because the problem is they will come to you in the way you want them to. They are so very good at finding your weaknesses, finding your triggers, finding the buttons to push. And they will use that and they will manipulate you with that. So now you can see where I'm talking. If you listen to this, these are all very they're very similar traits of a dome. So I don't want anyone, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean the person is a psychopath. It's a fine line when you're talking BDSM. And yes, you can have functioning psychopaths. So, you know, don't go panicking. <laughs> Let everyone not call 911. It's all good. Okay, so how do you survive? Like how do you how do you deal with it? The first thing you do is you learn about it. You read these books. Arm yourself. Figure out number one. Figure this out. Realize that this is going on. Realize that these people exist. Learn the traits. Read the stories because every single one is going to be different. Absolutely every single one. They're all very good at something unique. Some of them will. Here's a good example. Some of them will, say, for example, read the obituaries. 
and look for the grieving widow who has no family because they know that they can prey on them. And that's just if you're going with kind of the the swindler, the swindler kind of guy, that's the kind of thing that they will do. They're the ones that are usually sliding in and, you know, charming everybody, getting them to give you all your all their savings and oh here we'll invest it over here. Hello, the banking system, you guys. The banking system is totally run by psychopaths. Why do you think everything fell apart? Think about it. You had a bunch of egotistic guys, egotistical guys who are running this. When you look at white collar crime especially my God, sit down and do profiles of these people, and this is what you're going to come up with. They're very good at manipulation. What's better? What's the best place, if you're a psychopath, to go and play the corporate world? You can manipulate. You can lie. You can cheat. You can steal. You can do everything you can. It's just its like a playground for them. So, yes. There are a lot of them in white-collar crime. So I want you to keep those descriptions in mind. So honestly, think about the descriptions of a psychopath. Try not to be influenced by props is another one. So in other words, the fantastic smile, the smooth talking, again with the eyes, Look in the eyes. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Keep that in mind. Um, what else have we got? Don't wear blinders. Keep your eyes wide open in every new relationship. That's so important if you're dating. Keep your eyes open. Watch what they're doing. They are, unfortunately, they are very patient. Um, they will still, because if they're dating, they're still going to be boinging around doing all kinds of stuff that you don't even know about. So you have to really be watching because they're very, very good at um, telling you what you want to hear. Like I said, because they know your weaknesses. They know what buttons to push. Keep your guard up in high-risk situations. What's a high-risk situation? Going to clubs, going to bars, going to resorts, cruise ships, foreign airports, they prey on people. And anywhere, I'm going to say this again, you guys, because of the community we're in, they are rampant in the sex industry. Unfortunately, in this industry, you are going to always probably get, for the most part, the bottom feeders. I know everyone, doesn't matter, I don't care if you're a dom, I don't care if you're a sub, I don't care if you're just a phone sex girl, I don't care if you're into porn, I don't care who you are, you're always going to probably be dealing with the, with the bottom feeders. We know this. And in that sense, let's look at it logically. The chances of you running into someone who is a psychopath is pretty damn high, which is why I want everyone who works in the sex industry to keep this in mind. This is very, very important. Again, functioning psychopathic, it, it, it can happen. It's okay. Um, I've got the last one was know yourself. 
psychopaths are experts at finding your weaknesses and triggers, which I already said. You need to recognize what your weaknesses and triggers are. That's important. We all deny the weaknesses we have. Oh, that's okay. I'm I'm fine. That's going to be fine. Everything's fine. You want to know. If if you admit it to nobody else, just admit it to yourself, okay, I have a weakness for this, or I have, yeah, you know, I like taking care of men. That's a big one for women. I can fix him. That's what they want. They want you to, to rescue them. They want all the attention. They love it. And this is how they weasel their way in. And then they start playing these games. They start playing the games with, oh, well, um, they just they'll start manipulating. I'm trying to think of actually, because Tisha's in the, in the chat room, I was thinking of one of her prior boyfriends is actually very, very close to being a psychopath from what she's told me in the past. He was very, very good at making her feel like crap for something she hasn't done. They're so good at that. They will make you feel like complete garbage. So you don't, whatever you do, don't listen to them. So if you've run into a psychopath, say you've been taken in by one, again, what's the survival mechanism here? Survival mechanism, you want to first get some kind of professional help, whether it's, you know, and this is someone who's already dealt with it. Now you're in the aftermath. Because understand, if you get taken in by a psychopath, as horribly as the stories that I have here that we're going to go over, if you get taken into that degree, you will suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. You need to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You need somewhere to go and vent. This is not your fault. They're very good at making them become the victim. You were the victim. It's okay. You didn't do anything wrong. This is what these guys do. So... Even if it's you, you come up against one, talk to a cop. As much as I, there's a part of me that doesn't like saying that because from every story that I have heard from the ladies this week, the police have been of absolutely no use whatsoever. Um, talk to people, get out there, tell everyone you know what's happening to you. Tiffy just said that in the chat room. Make sure people know what's happening to you so that if something does go wrong, we know where to go, we know where to look, we know where to start. To think that you are immune in some way from these people, you are fooling yourself. So I want you to don't think that because you are a dom, for example, if we're going to talk about the sex industry, I, uh, let me tell you why. I had some Twitter, um, I had some Twitter comments. So I'm going to Moonwolf had one. Okay, I'll go them through them really quickly. Moonwolf had one saying, "Not sure that's the right question, given the audience. Maybe you would." be able to spot a dangerous one because you're kind of touching on the area of ethical status maybe. Very true. So I'm saying it's a fine line when you're, taught, when you're in the BDSM world. You do have to be careful that you're not jumping to conclusions. And, yes, you can be a functioning psychopath, especially in that genre. So, it, you know, you got to keep your eyes peeled. But And a dom should push your limits, but not to the point of 
cracking your brain. Like you don't, that's not what they're there for. So you got to kind of pull back. Torture, unless you're into that, shouldn't be done, that kind of, I mean, you got to use your head. If you get a bad vibe, I'm going to tell you something. The best thing you can do, whether you're on a date with someone, whether you are, you know, in a situation where you're working with someone, you have a client come to you, you have someone come into your office, if your gut tells you that there's something wrong, listen to it. Your gut will never lie to you, ever. That's coming from your subconscious mind. That's what's in charge of everything that's going on around you. Listen to your gut. If the warning bells are going off, for the love of God, get rid of it. Whatever it is standing in front of you, get it away. You can't fix it. (laughs) Please don't try to fix it because it can't be fixed. Because really, honestly, for the most part, psychopathy cannot be fixed. So don't think that you're going to be the magical person who's going to completely turn someone around. There are portions of the brain that are not there. There are portions within them that are not there. You can't put something there that isn't there. You can't give someone a conscience. You can't make them suddenly go, oh, look, I have a conscience. It doesn't happen that way. So please don't think that you can fix people. Anyways, okay, so the other one was Sarah Diavolo was on Twitter and said, yes, yes, I can. I've learned the symptoms. I attract a particular socio-female. Um, she said, a handful of legit psychos. Kitty Psychobilly saying, having dealt with legitimate psychopaths, I think it's important for people to pay attention to red flags. Again, if it seems off, it's off. <laughs> if it feels off, it's off. Um, and the last one here was Sarah got into a discussion with me about um, submissives and psychopathy. And this is what she said. I don't think there are many submissive psychopaths. Considering status is very important to them, they're more likely to be really bad doms. You can't humiliate a psychopath because they'll lash out. They don't feel guilty for what they do. They have no remorse. Very true. I just can't see anyone who is a true psychopath being a submissive. Crazy, sure, but not that kind of crazy. People who become obsessed, agoraphobic people, and people with too strong masochistic tendencies, them I can see as subs. And, of course, anyone can have a psychotic break. And the answer to your question, no, I wouldn't have a clue to know what to do about it. There's always a chance of being a psych- of a psycho coming home with you. That's very true. Um, and it's the same in the vanilla world, absolutely, which is the reason why I think this show is so important. It, I don't. It, it, this has nothing to do with the sex industry. This is blanket. So um, she has a solution. Oh, very good solution that if you are meeting with someone, if you feel, say, for example, even if you're going on a date, because I'm trying to, I, I don't want this to stay in the sexual realm. She says if you're meeting with a client, you're nervous, take a picture of them, tell them that you've just sent it to your sister. You can do that on a date. If the person's fine with it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the fact that there are ways to help you. Now, why is what Sarah, Sarah and I, we kept the conversation kept going, but that was the gist of it. Sarah has studied psychology. 
Um, stop studying it because it scared the living bejesus out of her. And yes, there, there is. You're going to have that fear. There's a lot of very disturbed people, and when you start researching that, it can be really, really scary. It really can. Um, here's why what she says worries me. To say that a submissive cannot be a psychopath is the most wrong thing on the planet. There are three doms right now who are fearing for their lives. This is from and three separate incidents. This is not the same person. When I say they're fearing for their lives, understand I've gone over everything. I'm not being dramatic with this. Um, we're talking pulling in the FBI in some cases. The stories are absolutely frightening. Like I said, the the one that is one of the most twisted, I can't tell you. And the reason why is because it's going to put that person in an extreme amount of danger. The other thing is these guys who are in the process of still playing around with people, we don't want to give them the platform. They love attention. They love being the center of attention. And we don't want to give them that. So we're not going to discuss the details of those ones. Um, so just slowly understand that you're not going to hear that. The ones that you're going to hear are going to be ones that were sent to me. Um, Sir Beast is sitting on hold right now. He's going to be telling us about um, an incident that he had with a psychopath. So I don't want you to think that a psychopath can't be submissive. Here's why. Psychopaths, because we've just called them shapeshifters, love playing games. I want you to think of predator and prey, wolf and lamb. You're the lamb, they're the wolf. And they love playing games. So if you want to get down to the literal sense of it, a psychopath is probably not going to be truly submissive, but understand something. They will pretend. And they'll pretend in order to get close to you. Because I'm going to tell you guys something. I have some stories, too, that have been told to me through the years. Um, one story that I'm going to tell you right now is, and I've actually had a couple of these happen to me on Night Flirt when I was talking to some people. And I know you guys who do a lot of phone calls on Night Flirt or on Talk Sugar or any of the other ones, um, you'll, you'll probably will have run into these people before. They play Can You Break the Dom? And they do that because, again, it's a game. They will come to you possibly as a submissive. For the most part, I will, you know, kind of stand back or wait. They'll talk. Let's see what they're going to go for. Like, what are, what's the deal? I kind of pull back and, and listen and wait. They will possibly play the game, or they will possibly come right out. I've had a couple come right out and say, I can break you. And it's just, you're just like, oh, for the love of God. Those ones are probably just being silly. But there are some that derive great pleasure from doing this. I don't want you guys thinking that because you are a dominatrix, you are immune to anything happening to you. 
there was a pro-dom that I knew, and she was obviously doing work out of her home. I think it was her home or her dungeon. didn't really matter. Point was, they were in the dungeon. Um, and she had a sub that had been coming to her for actually quite some time, probably about three or four months. What was happening with her was slowly this guy started to become obsessive. He started to monopolize her time. He was calling all the time, emailing all the time. He would text all the time. He would he wanted her attention constantly. In between these sessions that they would they would have a session say once every couple of weeks. And in between these sessions, this is how he starts going. Now this doesn't happen right at the beginning. It just starts ramping up as we go along. He starts getting more needy. He starts getting more clingy. He's, like, just pushing his way, you know, just he wants to monopolize her, period. At one of his, or his, obviously, his last session with her, he was able to find, because he had been going there for so long, he knew where everything was in the dungeon, he knew where the keys were. He knew where all the toys were. He knew where all the hardcore stuff was, the medical stuff, all of it. Because she had used it on him, he had watched. And he was able to, because he had been going for so many times, figure out where her weakness was in the sense of he knew at what point he could overpower her. He then did. He was able to get her tied because obviously she's got plenty of things to use to tie up. And he spent eight hours torturing her. While this was happening, he was saying things like, um, so where's the dom now? as he's, you know, making her scream. Because obviously this is a dungeon. It's a place where people scream. You could scream all day long. They're not going to hear you. They're not going to come. So she was beaten to an unrecognizable face. He had used every apparatus that she had used on him and did so obviously in a much more forceful way. There was a lot of electroplay involved, although it wasn't obviously safe electroplay. Um, there was at one point some surgical instruments used. So, you guys, this is why I want you to understand that, yes, you're strong women. I'm not saying you're not. You're strong, but I need you to be smart. You can't invite anyone, anyone from this community into your personal life, ever. You're foolish if you do. 
when you are an online dom, are you any safer? Because, well, hey, they don't come to my house. I'm fine. Uh Uh-uh. There are the three of the three people that I'm telling you about that I can't tell you about. All three are online doms. All three have been taken down by psychopathic males um, using various ways, um, mostly identity theft. Um, And actually, I would tell you something about identity theft. I want you guys to keep this in mind, too. This is so, so, so important. A few years ago, a friend of Ashley's um, was pissed off with his boyfriend, gay couple, was pissed off with his boyfriend. He had a friend who worked for TELUS, which over here is one of the cell phone companies, so like AT&T. What he did was he got his friend to bring up all the info on the phone of the ex-boyfriend, and then they used it to humiliate and obviously completely destroy this person's life. Actually, I believe they brought him, I believe they outed him, which that's not really the issue at the moment. It's disgusting. It's horrible. But I want you to see something. This is what I want you to see. The people who work for the cell phone companies, have full access to all of your information. And it's not people high up. These are people who are doing customer service who get paid minimum wage. And I know this because Ashley used to work for minimum wage doing customer service calls for Sprint. You can access everything. When I say everything, I'm talking any pictures you've sent, any text messages you've sent. Do not think for one minute that your text messages are safe. People read them. These people are being paid minimum wage. They have access to all your information. Where is the incentive for them to keep it? Someone comes along and goes, I'll give you 100 bucks. Look up this phone number and give me everything you got. Do you think that they're not going to take the 100 bucks and do that? Of course they are. Use your head. So keep that in mind. Because this has happened to... Hold on, let me figure it out. Six doms have had the tables turned on them in exactly this way. So... Keep that in mind. And it doesn't take much. Like I said, these people who are running customer service are being paid minimum wage, you guys. Please, 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 please keep that in mind. There is no incentive for them to keep your information safe. And it doesn't matter if you're in the United States. It doesn't matter if you're in Canada. Sorry, guys, but this is the way it is. They go to call centers. Call centers, unless they're in India... You know what I mean? This is the problem. This is what's going to happen. So keep that in mind. Nothing is safe. And if you have access, or I should say if you have more than one phone, you're like, oh, well, I have a phone just for this. The problem with that is once you access one phone, 
you get the information from the others. It's all part of your profile. So just keep that in mind. Once you're with one phone company, as a matter of fact, what I would do is use disposable phones. They don't have them in Canada, but there's disposable cell phones in the States. Those are the ones that I would use for business, especially in the sex industry, because it's just you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your information. Um, in the case of the six DOMs that I'm talking about, all of their personal all of their personal information was disseminated not only on the internet; it was also disseminated locally. Um, it was done in different ways, so. It's just, you got to use your heads, guys. Don't think that because, and that's what I meant by what Sarah said scared me. Because don't think because, oh, well, they're submissives. They can't hurt me. They're too nice. No. <laughs> Trust me. They're not too nice. It's, 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 it's not going to, like, please, 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 please don't think that you are immune to this, that you are too strong, that because you're in an industry that you are commanding all of the, not the attention, but you, you are in control, do not think for one minute that with these guys you are ever in control because you're not. They run the show. And yes, they will pretend to be submissive for as long as it takes for them to be able to do... Um, anything that they you know anything that they want or have in their minds when you have a psychopath in these positions who have gone off the chart you got to remember that the one thing and this is the reason why you do not provoke them the one thing that they have in their minds is winning at all costs they have to win so that's the reason why you don't really poke the tiger. It's stupid to do that. So, let's see. Um, we have a caller. I think I will go to the caller, and we will see what our caller is going to say, because then I will get into a scary story, even though I've already told you a couple of scary stories. Hello, you're yeah, in bed with Dr. Sue. Hi, Bean. We're ready. Yeah, my phone Are you ready? Drop the call. Sure. Oh, Cal Surprise. Hello, blog talk. So, tell uh, us your story, Beast. Your perfect timing. <laughs> well, it's interesting in that mine happened to be a female. And the only way. I knew that something was wrong. First meeting, she was too perfect. Yep. Then I looked in the eyes. And, am I right about the eyes? Funny thing is, unfortunately, at the first time I saw her eyes, I had my wallet out. That's what she was after. Yeah. A.K.A. the money. Right. And uh, then I put them away. Saw the sparkle leave real quick. So, yeah, I kind of figured something was up. Took me about three days. Right. Luckily, no damage. <laughs> so, 
in this case, was this something where you were dating her, or like, how did you meet her? What was her? I'm trying to figure out what her end game was. Um, I was working as a banker. Met her in the bank. Ah, okay. Asked her out for a date. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Not all psychotics work in banks. <laughs> Some just go not there all of them. We're not up. talking psychotics. We're talking psychopaths. There's a difference. But yes, not all of them. But there's a lot of them, and I don't mean the ones that are like the lower echelon. I mean like the ones that are running the show. Oh yeah, I've met a couple there too. You'll find they're usually the head suits. <laughs> yeah, and they try to schmooze everybody, including their own employees. Yep. Because schmoozing is what they do. Schmoozing is their lifeblood. It's just, it, it's like they live and breathe it. Oh, yeah. They're not happy if they're not doing that. They're not happy if they're not manipulating in some way. What? Uh, yeah, they'll be picking it up in the morning. Sorry about that. That's okay. So have you got any more? <laughs> um, only one, but let me get out of the area so I can talk a little more freely. Have a good night, guys. Uh, basically, it was, and, and I hate to say it, my own father. And, well, basically, he actually got manipulated. And his issues sprouted out. And uh, I was usually the recipient of those problems because on top of the fact that he used to take pot shots out of my mother with a gun, I got smacked with a motorcycle chain belt that he used to wear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something no child should have to go through. No. I honestly can't and, see anyone being able to handle a motorcycle chain, like a bike chain. There's no way. Uh, that's probably why I can take a, several very nasty implements when... I'm in sub mode now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, really. the main thing is, is the woman that started the situation was herself literally a true psychopath. She had the dead eyes, and she would torture me and my siblings while praising her child and basically set up... So she was like a step... Was she a stepmom? No, she was my father's girlfriend who he was living with. Right, so that means... but So she wasn't your mom-mom? Nope. Okay, so that's... And that's key. That's something I want you guys to understand really quickly, too. In the case of my father, he did not do anything sexually to me because I was his flesh and blood child. My sister was his 
um, stepchild. And that's, with, with psychopaths especially, it's very easy for them to be able to separate. In other words, I can, and he, my sister actually, um, I don't know, they got into a fight one day and she was like, if you ever touch my sister, I'll kill you. And he said, no, you don't understand. I would never touch her. She's mine. So, see, I get that. I, so when you, when you say, okay, your stepmother, you know, used to torture the crap out of you guys but was absolutely wonderful to, to her own biological child, classic. Absolutely classic. Oh, yeah. And I was actually happy that my sister and my brother couldn't remember any of the hell that she put us through. However, unfortunately, I did. Mm-hmm. And my fa- I found out later on, when my father regained his senses, he basically busted a bench over her head. Over your real Since mom I mean, or your stepmom? Uh, his girlfriend. He oh, actually, his girlfriend, okay. Oh, yeah. And that surprised me. But, uh, yeah, basically, um, psychopaths make children's lives a living hell. They do. In, in and that's all there's so forms. many of them out there. And a lot of them are parents. And, unfortunately, you know, it's the kids that suffer, but... Hopefully we can start changing some things around because more guns is not the answer. No, I've learned when dealing with people, you don't have to have a weapon unless you know you have no other choice. I've never mm-hmm. had to pull a weapon on anybody in my current job mm-hmm. because. I project. I have the ability to project the emotion I want them feeling. Or the fact that, like with a lot of pro-doms, they project the dominance. In other words, their dominance part of their personalities and make it larger. In my case, I've been told when I give the stare, as a lot of people call it. Mm-hmm. I terrify people. And I'm shorter than most of them that I do that to. Because they're afraid I would literally rip them limb from limb. Mm-hmm. And that's just a mechanism I learned as a defense from right. the hell I went through as a child. It's something basically. It's a. It was an automatic defense that started building up. Mm-hmm. And I don't use it now unless absolutely necessary. Because I don't want to scare people to death. But if I'm protecting somebody, yeah. First line, right. the stare. Second line, then I get physical. But thankfully, it's never gotten to being physical. Well, that's good. 
We don't want anything to happen to you, Beast. <laughs> yeah. My main worry is people who text and drive. Because <laughs> I, I do crosswalk duty. And I've actually come close to being hit, like, six on the average, about seven times a week. Mm-hmm. So, and they're all texting and driving. By the time they look up and see me, I'm usually hit, sitting on their hood going, uh, excuse me. Good Lord. That sucks. Uh, Yeah. Well, thanks for calling in and giving us your story, Beast. We really appreciate it. Do you want me to put you back on hold? Oh, yeah. I want to hear the rest okay. of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll put you back on hold. Okay, guys. So, it's, you see, I don't want you thinking that everything is really cut and dry with these guys. They love breaking the rules. They love any kind of authority that they can usurp in some way. They are, I'm trying to think, because Moonwolf's been talking here in the chat room. And she actually, she makes a very good point. There's no reason why a psychopath can't abide by a standard that's honor. Understand that the, the honor, though, is their own. And you're not going to understand it. Um, they do know right from wrong. But with no conscience, they don't care. So it's not a matter of, oh, well, these poor people have something wrong with their brains and that's the reason why no they know right from wrong they get it they just don't want to play within those rules and you know it's more fun playing on the other side i am going to read you sandy's story she was nice enough to send this in i was married to an australian australian man for four years We were childhood friends. We'd known each other for over 12 years before we even started dating, and pretty quickly it got serious. He moved in with me, and we got married in 2003. He had trouble finding work in the U.K. at first, so I helped him and supported us, worked double shifts, and did my best to ensure that he would find his place in our country. And finally he did. He got a good job, and everything seemed to be going well. That's actually, because I'm going to stop when I see things here, that's actually classic. Usually they don't. They they will do everything they can so they don't have to work. Like, oh, no, you do it. I'm still looking. I knew that he had some trouble as a teenager, but I had never met his parents since they lived in Australia, and I had never been there, only spoke with them on the phone, never asked about all the problems they had with him as a teenager, and I really should have. I thought we were a fairly happy couple. He was naturally submissive, and since I'm controlling and dominating, everything fell into place. At one point, he even told me he had fantasies about being cuckolded, but we never got that far. Um, She said, anyways, I'm just telling this to show that we seem to be a pretty good match in all areas of life. Everybody thought we'd be together forever. In 2006, I got pregnant. It was a planned pregnancy. I got pregnant on my first try, and apart from having high blood pressure, the pregnancy was great. Really enjoyed that time of my life. Then came the time to give birth to my daughter, and all hell broke loose. Everything that you can possibly imagine going wrong did go wrong. My labor had to be induced because I was two weeks past my due date. Baby got stuck. I almost died twice during labor, lost a third of my blood, and ended up in an emergency C-section. Woke up not knowing if I was dead or alive, if the baby survived, or what happened. Spent the first week in bed 
and in a wheelchair, had blood transfusions, antibiotics, morphine, drip. It was crazy. I was still in a lot of pain and discomfort when we got released from the hospital, and my husband had to take a lot of the responsibilities at home since I could hardly move. The first month was rough, to say the least. But with the help of my family and friends, we managed somehow, or at least I thought so. Then came this one Friday. I had a doctor's appointment for a checkup, and we had a nanny come take care of the baby. My husband left for work, like he always did, and everything seemed to go like on a normal Friday. He text messaged me a few times during the day asking how my doctor's appointment was, how's the baby doing, what's for dinner. But at 5, he didn't show up like he was supposed to. 5.30, nothing. I called him. Can't reach the number. I called and called. Nothing. Couldn't reach the number. I started to panic. I thought something had happened to him. Maybe he'd been in an accident. Suddenly, I get a text message. I love you both very much. Don't hate me. That's it. I tried to call again, nothing. Can't reach the number. I texted back asking what the hell was going on. No answer. The phone was off. I went through his stuff and realized his passport was gone. He had left his bank statements and details behind, and somebody told me to check his bank account. It had been emptied that morning, completely emptied, thousands of pounds gone. I logged into his cell phone account. He had left all the logging details behind. The last message he had sent was from Amsterdam. He was at the airport in Amsterdam. We had a joint credit card, and I checked the last purchase made. He had bought lunch at Heathrow Airport in London. I immediately canceled the credit card. At that point, I knew it. He'd left us. He'd taken his passport, all the money, and left us. The next time I heard from him was five days later. He had landed in Australia, and he was on his way to stay with his friend, who had agreed to help him get away. He cried like a baby on the phone, yes, they're good at that, and kept asking me, what have I done, what have I done? And I tried to calm him down. Notice how the, see, she's now calming him down, even though he's the douche. Tell him that everything is still okay, that he can come back, and he didn't. Weeks went by, and I hardly heard from him. Nobody seemed to know where he was, what he was doing, why he left, and what his plans were. He wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't answer emails, no explanation, nothing. The one time I got him to talk on the phone, I didn't even recognize his voice. I didn't even know it was him at first. He sounded different, like it was a completely different person. I realized that I didn't really know this person at all, and I wasn't sure who I was talking to, and that was scary. He got abusive and defensive on the phone, blamed for everything, turned the tables completely on me. He also said he'd been planning to leave for a long time. He was never coming back, but he didn't want to divorce either. There you go. Want to control the situation. In his opinion, I was still his wife, and I was supposed to wait and see if he changed his mind. I was also supposed to take care of our daughter alone and without any child support because he couldn't afford it, and he had more important things to pay for, his words. He also said that I should not let any bitterness I might have towards him keep him from being a father to his child. He called me a bitch and cussed at me, which he had never, ever done before. I didn't know this person I was talking to. I was in shock. Then his parents opened up and told me the truth about him. He had been a troubled teenager, that I had known. But what I didn't know is that they had taken him to see a bunch of psychiatrists because of his behavior substance abuse and tendency to run away from responsibilities, money problems. We always managed to wrap the psychiatrists around his finger and they'd say there was nothing wrong with him. That is classic right there. They can manipulate everyone, including the so-called experts. He had run away from his parents many, many, many times. 
when he was a kid and as a teen. He had disappeared for weeks, months, even years, then show up again when he ran out of money. Even when he left Australia to stay in the UK, he had left the country, the continent, without telling anyone. And to make matters worse, he had left his house with two dogs in it, and by the time his parents found the dogs, they had had no food or water and had to be put down. Again, no compassion, no empathy, no conscience. Who cares about the stupid dogs? That detail tells me he had no remorse or feelings for the living things he left behind. Who abandons animals like that? Psychopaths. Animal abuse is one of the first signs. Very true. At this point, I had had enough. I knew for sure he was not coming back, and I didn't even want him back. I called him one day and said, it's over. I'm going to divorce you, and you will never hear from me again after what you did to us. You are free to communicate with your daughter and tell her yourself why you aren't around when she's old enough to understand, but I will never talk to you again. This is the last time you'll hear from me, and from now on you will only hear from my lawyer. And that's what I did. Took him to court. Got a divorce, child support, single custody of my child. He didn't have the money for the lawyer, so he eventually had no choice but to sign all the papers. The whole process took four years in court because, again, they will drag their feet. Um, She was finally free from the lying sack of shit. He was made to pay some of the money and child support he owed me, and he got his parents to take care of that, of course. They sent me the money. I don't know how he manipulated them to do it for him, because it's his parents. A man in his 40s asking for his parents to bail him out again, but they did it. He never pays child support, but apparently the government has found him, and they're making him pay now. I have no idea where he is or what he does. He's never tried to contact us, never tried to contact his daughter. We never, ever hear from him on that anymore. She said, needless to say, I find it very hard to trust people after that. I was still recovering from the dramatic, life-threatening C-section when he abandoned us. My lawyer even said I had grounds to prosecute him for abandonment and endangering the baby's health because I wasn't 100% yet. I really don't even know how I pulled through all that. There were times when I thought I wouldn't, but here I am, six years later, living with my six-year-old daughter, who is happy and healthy She does have PTSD, um, probably from the shock of him leaving, and she said she still doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't know. Maybe your daughter will find out years from now. I don't think you're going to get an answer because what kind of answer are you looking for? You know, what, what, (laughs) what do you want him to say? Yeah, I'm a psychopath. They, they're never gonna, you're never going to hear him say, I'm sorry, I was an asshole. It's not going to come out of his mouth. So there's just absolutely no point whatsoever to try and get someone to do that. I have one other story to tell you. And this kind of shows you, again, how they turn the tables. This is a story about Elsa and Dan. It's in one of the books. It's actually in Without Conscience. Um, that was a pretty simple story, if you want to call it that. It's heart-wrenching for her. The stories that I have on the back burner, I can't, like I said, I can't tell you. I would love to tell you. When we have the go for it, you're going to hear about it. Um, and obviously it's going to be whenever these people get caught. But as soon as we have the stories on this, you have to hear them. They are unbelievable, and yeah, it's all doms. So, you know, is what it is. Point is, you guys aren't safe. 
don't ever think you're so. Don't ever get cocky and think that I'm a dom, nobody can touch me. Bullshit. These guys are really good at what they do. She met him in a laundromat in London where she was taking a year off from teaching after a stormy and exhausting divorce. She'd seen him around the neighborhood, and when they finally started to talk, she felt as if she knew him. Understand what they will also do is they will stand back and they will monitor you for a while. They will observe you. You are under surveillance by these guys. He was open and friendly. They hit it off right away. From the start, she thought he was hilarious. She'd been lonely. The weather was grim and sleety. She'd already seen every movie and play in the city. She didn't know a soul east of the Atlantic. He goes, ah, traveler's loneliness. It's the worst. For some reason, sidebar, for some reason, they tend to really work on the loneliness thing. They will. It's one of their favorites. So if they can come at you from a loneliness angle, they it's it, they love it. I don't know what it is. I don't think anybody does. But there is a loneliness angle to them, usually, in some way, shape, or form, because they know that's a really good way, a really good button to push. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, okay. So after dessert... I don't know why this jumped so quickly, but after dessert, apparently they'd gone out for dinner, he was embarrassed to discover he'd come without his wallet. <laughs> Cal surprise. Elsa was more than happy to pay for dinner. Of course she was. More than happy to sit through the double feature she'd seen earlier in the week already. At the pub over drinks, he told her he was a translator for the United Nations. He traveled the globe. He was, at the moment, between assignments. They saw each other four times that week, five the week after. Dan lived in a flat at the top of the house somewhere in Hampstead. He told her, but he wasn't long before he had all but moved in with Elsa. To her amazement, she loved the arrangement. It was against her nature. She wasn't even sure how it had happened, but after her long stint of loneliness, she was having the time of her life. Still, there were details, unexplained, undiscussed, that she shoved out of her mind. He never invited her to his home. She never met his friends. One night, he brought over a carton filled with tape recorders, plastic wrapped straight from the factory unopened. A few days later, they were gone. Once Elsa came home to find three televisions stacked in the corner, storing them for a friend. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. And when she pressed for more information, he shrugged. The first time Dan failed to show up at a prearranged place, she was frantic that he'd been hurt in traffic. He was always darting across the street in the middle of the block. He stayed away for three days and was asleep on the bed when she came home in mid-morning. The odor of rancid perfume and stale beer clearly made her sick, and her fear for his life was replaced with something new, awful, wild, uncontrollable jealousy. Where have you been, she cried. I've been so worried. Where were you? He looked sour as he woke up. Don't ever ask me that. I won't have it. Where I go, what I do, who I do it with, it doesn't concern you. Don't ask. She said it was like he was a different person. But then he seemed to pull himself together, shook shook the sleep off, reached out to her. I know it hurts you, he said in his old gentle way. See how they flip back and forth? But think of jealousy as a flu and... Wait and get over it. (laughs) See, this guy's not that smooth. And you will, baby, you will. 
He said, like a like a mother cat licking her kitten, he groomed her back into trusting him. And yet she thought what he'd said about the jealousy was so odd. It made her sure that he had never felt anything like the pain of a broken trust. One night she asked him lightly if he felt like stepping out to the corner and bringing her an ice cream. He didn't reply. When she glanced up, this is where it's classic. When he glan- when she glanced up, she found him glaring at her. Because they have that way of standing there and just sort of glaring at you. He looks at her and he says, always got everything you wanted, didn't you? Any little thing Elsa wanted. Somebody always jumped up and ran out and bought it for her, didn't they? He got up from the chair, walked out, and never saw him again. So you can see how this is sort of the modus operandi of these people. It's just, you know, in and out. They can't stay in one place too long. They're out there, you know, trying to scam people, running things. They don't, not always criminal behavior. Most of the, honestly, most of them are not. Most of them skirt the court system. You would think, oh, it'd be really easy to find them because, well, you know, they're always scamming and they should always be in the court system, but they're not. We are going to be back right after this message. This is Dr. Sue with an important message for each and every one of my listeners. Did you know one in two people will get an STD at some point in their life? And if you're a regular listener of the show, you've heard me tell you some pretty scary stories of what stupidity will bring to you. Gentlemen, get yourself tested. And responsible doms doing real-time sessions should know to always get their subs tested. And now, In Bed with Dr. Sue has teamed up with GetSTDTested.com to bring you completely confidential STD testing. Visit GetSTDTested.com and use coupon code DRSUE to save 10% on your test. Use your head, yes, the one on your shoulders, and head to GetSTDTested.com slash DRSUE and get your ass tested now. So, guys, hopefully you've learned something. Hopefully we've gone over some stuff that, you know, you can understand that really... When you stand back and look at the statistics I gave you at the beginning of the show, clearly we have a rampant um, mental health issue in this country, in this world, and things need to be done. You need to arm yourself. Make sure that you understand the symptoms. Please get these books. They're not that expensive either. They're like, you know, five bucks, ten bucks. They're nothing. Pick up the books. Again, they're at the website, inbedwithdrsue.com, on this show page. You'll find links for both of them. Honestly, very interesting reading. The stories are absolutely unbelievable. And hopefully, hopefully nothing happens to the ladies that are out there. I want you guys, because I know that they are listening, maybe not live, but they will eventually. One of the biggest things that happens when you are being stalked or attacked, or whatever, you have to shut your life down. And it's scary, but more so it's lonely, and it's sad. They have no way of communicating with anyone because they can't. Um, you can't go outside your door. Your you know shades are always drawn. You're checking the locks a billion times a day. So... 
I want you ladies to know, actually one of them said to me that it felt as though she'd been forgotten. And you haven't been forgotten. You're never forgotten. It's scary what you're going through. It's actually terrifying. Scary doesn't even friggin' cut it. Try and keep your head up. Always look over your shoulder until this is taken care of. And please do not ever stop asking for help. Because what's happening here, ladies, and I'm bringing this up to you guys, all of you guys that are in the sex industry especially, because this is a sex industry issue, when this happens to you and you do go to the authorities, the authorities do not believe you. You have credibility issues because of what you do for a living. Um, you are automatically labeled a gold digger. You are automatically labeled as having asked for it. This is what these ladies are up against right now. It's pathetic and it's disgusting. Um, local authorities are not helping. These ladies are having to go over heads. Um, keep, I'm begging you guys, keep screaming until someone hears you. Because if you don't, you could end up dead. And obviously nobody wants to see that. And keep telling people, even though you've got to do it on the sly. We know what's going on. We're not going to stop thinking about you, even though, for the most part, we can't really say who you are for that reason. But know that the ones that you have told are looking out for you, that we care about you. You are not forgotten. Um, I know it gets frustrating when you go to the authorities and they don't help you, and they blow you off, and not only blow you off, they make you feel like you are a disgusting piece of trash because of what you do for a living. It's unfortunate that that's the way people look at this. And it doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Let it go, but keep screaming. Go overheads. Go go as far as you can up the chain of command until you get somewhere that you can get some help. Um, if the stalker has caught, crossed state lines, and in three of these cases they have, you can call in the feds, you can call in the FBI, which some of them are doing. You have to keep yelling, though. You have to keep going. Because these guys know that they have the law basically on their side. Um, they're good at charming the cops. They're good at, especially when you're a sex worker, they're good at making you, oh, well, it's her fault. She promised me this. She said this. She did that. So they will actually turn the cops on you, as has happened. So, you know, it's happened, unfortunately, to a lot of people I know. And it's it's sad. It's sad that the authorities don't... And I know that the, you become jaded as a cop. I dig that. You become jaded because there's a lot of freaks out there. But not everyone in the sex industry is a freak. Not everyone who is, you know, trying to just eke out a living their own way. It doesn't matter. Nobody has the right to take away freedom, and that's what's happened to these ladies. Their freedom has been taken away. And that's just, it's, it's absurd. So, you haven't been forgotten. We love you. 
we're not going to forget. And as soon as all this goes away, and these guys are behind bars, which is where they should be, then we can tell everybody what happened so that you can learn from it. Everybody can learn from this. But keep a stiff upper lip. It sucks. It's like, but what do you say? Seriously. <laughs> I, I can't imagine living the way they're living. I can't imagine being stalked the way they're being stalked. It's It's absolutely terrifying. So just know that we care about you. So I am going to end this now. I want you guys to know that the next show is October the 1st. Um, my guest is going to be Lori Perkins from Riverdale Avenue Books. We're going to be discussing how to get your smut published. But we also have an amazing announcement that day. We are going to be running a contest for my smut baby writers. So that's going to be announced that day. You're going to find out the rules. So sharpen your pens. Not that anyone use it anymore. Crack your knuckles. Get your keyboards all dusted off because you're really, really going to want to jump into this one. Don't get ahead of yourself because there's going to be a theme. So don't go writing yet. You'll find out what the rules are. So thank you, you guys. Hopefully everybody's listening to this both live and coming up when you can listen to it later in the archives. Hopefully you guys have learned a little bit of something. I really hope you taken away, you've taken away some information. Even if it doesn't happen to you, it may happen to someone around you. The only thing you really can do is honestly go to the cops and just keep screaming until someone hears you if this happens to you. Don't stop. And trust your gut, ladies. Trust your gut more than anything. Ladies and gentlemen, trust your gut, because it will never lie. So, you guys have a fantastic next two weeks. We will be back, hopefully, with Joe at that point. Hopefully, the show will work next Tuesday, next time we have a Tuesday, or on our uh, October the 1st. I don't know what happened. That was really weird last night, but... So, I love you guys. I love everybody who's here tonight. Madam Devilish, um, Mark Goodpet's here, Moonwolf's here, Kitty's here, Tisha's here, Ty's here, Muffy's here, Alexa's here, and Tiffy's here. It's so sweet of you guys to come in. Like I said, hopefully you guys learned something. Remember, try and play nice, you guys. But most of all, the most important thing, be happy. Good night, everybody.